are excited. So I am excited. We are going to talk about lesson seven. We've talked about unashamed, unshakable, and now unstoppable. And I know Pastor Becca had talked about uh, unstoppable uh, contentment last week. And so today we're going to talk about unstoppable faith. And I like to always go back and pull out a dictionary. Unstoppable means impossible to stop or prevent. So I made a little top 10 list. So this top 10 list, think about like the late night shows you've watched. Uh, this is top 10 things that are unstoppable. So number 10, weeds and grass. No matter how much you spray them, pull them, pluck them, mow them, they always seem to come back. Number nine, magazines. Need I explain? They show up uninvited and then they reproduce at Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And you probably have already gotten some. Number eight, I'm just going to say inflatable and see where you, where that takes you. We're inflatable Halloween now, inflatable Thanksgiving decorations, inflatable Christmas decorations. At one point in time, they were robust, and now they lay in a pile of Christmas spirits. Number seven, anybody have their phone on them? It's called junk mail, junk email. Who has gotten to a point where you can't even delete them? You have like a thousand, I'm not, Am I, who's with me? A thousand emails because it's just too long to even delete. So you open another email account. Number six, for the extroverts, it's hugging. It's unstoppable. It's going to happen. And for those introverts, it's terrifying. You know that these people are going to hug you whether you like it or not. It's unstoppable. Number five, averting eye contact. You're down in a hallway and there's just two of you and you're walking past each other and you don't know them. It's unstoppable, so just be the bigger person and say hello. Number four, social media. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Twitter. Don't get sucked into the hours of distraction. It's unstoppable. Number three, I'm just gonna say construction in Minnesota. Number two, weather and talking about the weather. And number one, I've tried to ignore it, I've tried to discourage it, I've tried to threaten it, but nothing seems to work. So I will embrace it, and it is a birthday. It happens, it's unstoppable, so just have fun and embrace it. So these are fun to talk about, but we're gonna talk a little bit now about what faith is. And for a long time, I always thought faith was this magical, mystical thing, because I couldn't hold it, I couldn't see it, I couldn't touch it. And so I want tonight to be a, a, a kind of an eye-opening time where you can see faith in action. Faith, as described in the Cruden's Complete Concordance, is a dependence on the veracity of another, a firm belief in, and trust in a person, thing, event, doctrine, statement. Okay? The Bible, though, says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made 
out of things that are visible. So let's break it into two easy questions that we're going to talk about tonight. Are you feeding your faith or are you feeding your fear? And the second one, are you choosing a life of conviction? When you feed your, fair, feed your faith and not your fear, 2 Corinthians says, Therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, we already talked about the birthday thing, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So fix your eyes on what is seen, but not, I'm sorry, so fix your eyes not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. We've been in a season, guys, and I know you guys have heard this a lot. We've been in this season where I think that our faith has been beaten up from the disunity, from whatever you want to insert in that, I feel, and my faith included, has been beaten up. We've been told things, we've been said things, we've been, we've been asked to do things that maybe we didn't agree with, and then we're asking, where is God in the middle of all this? And your faith is discouraged, your faith is doubting. I sometimes miss what God is doing when I'm so narrowly focused on my day-to-day, when I'm narrowly focused on what the events are happening in the world around me. But God, but God, he is orchestrating something. This doesn't take him by surprise. God is still on the throne, and he still cares about you and me. And he wants us to have that faith. He wants us to renew our faith again. He wants our faith to come alive. So how can we feed our faith? By building your faith, it takes work. To build your faith, it's going to take some work. Many times, so most of you guys, if you've been been here before when I spoke, I'm a fitness trainer. So I'm at the gym a lot. And when I'm there, people come in at different times. So a big push is right now, like when school starts, a lot of them come back into the gym. Second one is usually before Christmas, trying to, you know, get their metabolism going before Christmas. The third time is in January, making those New Year's resolutions. But the biggest time that I see people back in the gym wanting to try to fix things is right before spring break. When they know they have to get their body into a swimsuit in front of whoever. And so they say, what is the quickest way can I get abs of steel? Can you give me like 20 minutes that I can just look like I came out of a magazine? And unfortunately, that isn't always the case. We sometimes do this with God, though. We have a quick prayer, a moment of desperation, and expect him to respond immediately. Although we haven't spent time in his word, we didn't, we didn't include him in our discussion. We didn't include him in our life. And all of a sudden, we come to a point where we're like, God, I need your help. But the relationship isn't there. Similar to, let's see if you had a friend. And the only time you called this friend is when you needed something from that friend. What kind of friendship would that be? God is asking us, the most important thing that he wants for us is a relationship. And in order to build our faith, we need to spend time with him, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer with him. In Habakkuk 2.4, it says, Look at the man bloated with self-importance. Full of, him, full of himself, but soul empty. But the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive. 
Who's ready to be alive, alive again after all of this? Consistent faith allows us to live a life that is alive. Number two, to build your faith, find your purpose. Now, for a long time, I grew up in the church and they said, what's your purpose? What do you, what's your calling? What do, you, what do you think that you want to become? And for a long time, I thought, well, I'm going to get an education. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to find the perfect husband. I'm going to find the perfect house, the perfect kids. And then all of a sudden, I've realized through all of that, you look back and you're like, okay, what does my life really, what is my purpose God's highest destiny, I'm going to tell you right now, is to live a supernatural life. He wants something more for you than you could even imagine. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, it says, And in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Before, because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would... I'm sorry, so we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. God chose us to be in a relationship with him. And this is the will for every woman in this room and online. It's a life that's centered in love, free from sin. And the biggest thing is that we will know him and we will make him known. That's your purpose, to know God, to love God, and make him known. So be confident in your faith. Even though you've been discouraged, even though we've taken a beating on our faith, I want you to know that our faith is, not predi is predicated on our trust. Our faith is predicated on our trust, not our understanding, not on what everything around us says. Our faith is predicated on trust so trust trust that God is still the same God he was two years ago when everything was going great and we seemed to be on a, a trajectory of just God ordained movements right God is still in it he's still here and he's wanting to do something even bigger our faith grows in God when we discover how much God is determined to be in a relationship with us when we understand that what Christ did on the cross and the resurrection was for each of us. So be confident and feed your faith. I want to look back. Let's go to, if you've got your Bible or your phone, Acts 2, or if you have your handout, Acts 5, 12 through 16. So I'm going to paraphrase it. The apostles were now, after Jesus had died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, the apostles were doing Christ's work. They were going around the, around the people, yet more and more people, the more that they talked, the power and the presence of God was with them. As a result, the apostles' work, sick people were brought in on mats and beds, just laying on the streets, okay, if you can imagine this. They knew that the apostles had something, and the sick, they were bringing everybody into the street. And this is so interesting, it said, so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. It says, crowds came from the villages and around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, those possessed with evil spirits, and they were all healed. They were confident in 
their faith. They were confident in the apostles, but they also had their superstitions. Did you hear that? Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to have a, a spirit about you that overflowed, that people wanted to be in your presence. They wanted just the shadow. If they knew they could just get in Peter's shadow, that they would experience God's healing. We can build our faith by being obedient to his purpose. And the apostles knew what their purpose was. Second question, are we living a life of conviction? Sometimes conviction can kind of turn us in the wrong direction depending on your definition of a conviction it's a firmly held belief or opinion in acts 5 17 it said the high priest going back to our story and all his associates who were members of the part of the sadducees they were filled with jealousy against the apostles they were arrested the apostles were arrested and they were thrown into one of the public jails and one night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said to them, and tell the people the full message of this new life. This is the first of three jailbreaks, okay? Three divine jailbreaks in Acts. I don't know about you, but if an angel just told me that they were breaking me out of jail, I probably would have debated with the angel. Anybody? Where's my debated? I probably would have said, I think I heard you wrong because I think what you want me to do is like go hide for a couple months and then when everything's clear and settled down, then we'll come back, right? Then we'll come back. I think that's what you said. I mean, just, I, I think, but that's not what Peter said. In Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man. The apostles could have run but they developed a conviction in themselves to obey no matter what. Conviction brings truth and it brings life. And in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says, For Christ loves, Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given us life. There's that word again. He gives us life. He makes things alive. The apostles knew their purpose and had the conviction to see it through to the end. They knew their mission. The great thing about this, you guys, is that they were enabled by the Holy Spirit. They weren't doing it alone. We're not here to do it alone. Even, when the, even with an obedient heart, the apostles still got arrested. God didn't say it was going to be easy. And But when it's God's plan, he's going to fight for us. He's going to show us exactly what to do. So you know what God did? He sent a man who is not for the apostles. He actually is against the apostles. He hated Jesus because Jesus made the government of Rome look bad. His name was Gamaliel. And Gamaliel in Acts 5.38, this is so powerful. It said, therefore... They were in front of the judges. Gamaliel said, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. And I love what he says here. But if it is from God, big G God, 
you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Now, this is a man that doesn't know the apostles, is against the apostles, doesn't think that Jesus was the Messiah. It was unstoppable, guys. God can use anybody at any time. This whole week I've been praying, and one of the things that God was sharing to me is that there is somebody in this room that God has given you a plan and a purpose, and you've tucked it away. And the reason why you tucked it away is because someone told you that it wasn't possible. And God told you it was. And so you've hid it away. I want to tell you tonight that it is possible that the, the person that said it was impossible is not fighting against you. He's actually fighting, they're fighting against God. So if God has given you a promise and he's given you a purpose, don't hide it. Step out in faith, feed your faith, and live out what God is calling you to do. When you have a conviction, it brings clarity. And one of the ways, when, I don't know if you remember the little passing of the notes when we were in elementary school where we'd say, do you like me, yes or no? This is a question I want for you. Are my thoughts primarily focused on my desires, my ambitions, my emotions? Yes or no? If it's yes, you probably have strayed just off path. If it's no, then keep going. A self-absorbed life makes us vulnerable to not carry out our purpose. There are times in life where my kids say that they need a me day. And our culture, I think, has brought about these me days. I just need a me day. I just need a, a self day. Now, I'm not talking about the Sabbath because God said we need a Sabbath. That is a commandment. So you need to rest. You need to have a day of rest. But I think sometimes our convictions, we think, are just too hard. And if they're too hard, then it can't be God's plan. And I want to challenge you tonight that even when it's difficult, even when God has put something on your heart and you start to get tripped up or you start to stumble or you start to get discouraged, there is a God that is right next to you. He's got the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Trinity fighting for you. You may not see it. You may not hear it. You may not even know it, but there is somebody that's fighting for you because when God sets a plan in motion for your life, it is unstoppable. So don't be discouraged. Don't let these two years, the last two years, get you down because God is still in the miracle working business. He still can provide. He still can do what he's called you to do. So don't get discouraged. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 1.19. It says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available through faith. What is it through? through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement. I love this translation in the passage. Then your lives will be an advertisement of the immense power as it works through you. As it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead. 
and exalted him to a place in heaven. Faith makes us unstoppable, ladies. You guys are powerful. Our faith sets us apart just like the Christians in the New Testament. When we fuel our faith with God's love and his word, and we speak life over that purpose, faith is unstoppable. One of the stories I was growing up, my grandpa used to tell me in 1906, it was probably one of the greatest acts of faith that ignited a revival. And it was in 1906 in LA. It's called the Azusa Street Revival. And I don't know, some of you guys may know it, but a man named William Seymour flew into Los Angeles in February of 1906. And people from every walk of life, because of this man, he started a small Bible study. And because he had faith that ignited the nation, a lot of denominations have come out of that revival, but it wasn't just a revival. It's an old term, right? It wasn't just a revival. It was a move of God. And miracle after miracle after miracle. And we're not talking about my hip was healed, my knee, ears were coming and forming. I mean, you're talking about crazy miracles because one man asked for God to show up for the presence and the power. And he had the faith to believe that God still does miracles. Someone asked me the other day, do you think God still does miracles? And my response to this was, do you think God still answers prayer? What in your life have you allowed to be hidden because you just didn't have the faith to believe that it could be? Is it a healing? Is it a hurt? Is it unforgiveness? Is it something for a prodigal child? Unstoppable faith means, God, I can't do it in my own ability, but I'm going to believe and I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede until I find that miracle, until you provide a miracle. Just like the apostles and the people coming into that setting, just like the Azusa Street, people came because they knew the power and the presence and they knew if they could just come and get into the presence of God, God would show up. So I want to leave you with this. Faith sees the invisible. Faith hears the inaudible. And faith can do the impossible. So I want you guys, before I pray, I want you to write down a miracle. A miracle that you've been holding on to and wanting, but you didn't know how, either how to ask or even if you should believe for that miracle. And I want you to speak it out tonight. I want you to share it with your table leaders. I want you to share it with your family members. Because I believe God wants to do a miracle in this room. He wants to do a lot of miracles in this room. Dear Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I invite you in this room. By the power of your spirit, you are still a God of miracles. And I know there are lots of women that have been discouraged 
that their faith has been tested, that their faith they were doubting and they feel ashamed of that doubt. But Lord, I pray tonight, God, that our faith will rise up, that we will see that you are a good God. God, that there are good things and God wants good things for us. So I pray those deep, dark things that we have been holding on to that we weren't, we were afraid to ask. I pray that they would come out tonight. God, that we would ask boldly, that we would be able, to, our faith would be able to rise up tonight. That as a body of women and believers, I pray that as we come together in community, that we will lift every sister up in this room and that you would be made known, that our lives would be an advertisement for your faith. So as one person's faith builds, that everyone's faith will build. And tonight I pray that you would do that. We know you can, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come into this room. Holy Spirit, come into every campus that you would be made known and that we would ignite a revival, a revival of miracles that you are yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen.